Hello and welcome back to Womance Public Access Read-Along of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. I'm your even chapter reader, Isabeau. I'm the odd chapter reader. My name is Morgan. Morgan, what happened in chapter three? Well, they went to a ball and Bingley brought his friend, Mr. Darcy. You're going to want to remember the name, folks. (laughs) And Mr. Darcy was just kind of a prick, but Mr. Bingley was awesome and fun. And he danced a lot. And he danced a lot, and Mr. Darcy only danced twice with people he already knew, even though there were lots of eligible young ladies just sitting around waiting to be danced with. (laughs) Story of my life. Aww. It's flashback to Isabeau's eighth grade dance. Do you know I didn't go to any of my middle school dances and I think I'm a better person for it. Neither did uh, John, my roommate that I also am married to. uh, And he's not like a... And reproducing with. And reproducing with. My roommate. He didn't go to middle school dances either. He did this, like, other thing called cotillion. Oh, God. Yeah, where yeah, he I learned cotillion. Yeah. prescribed dances and, like, had to wear, like, a suit coat and stuff. And he's like, I don't think anybody ever needs to do that. I'm like, do you feel like you learned important lessons? And he's like, no, of course not. Cotillion is weirdly popular in Missouri. It's hyper popular there. Yeah, and it's, like, it's a thing in, like, the South, Mm -hmm. and, like, I believe Missouri is the South, but Missouri seems so insistent on the cotillion. Because it feels like it needs to prove its Southness. I think, yeah, by being, like, let us put our white children (laughs) into a breeding program that starts with opera-length white satin gloves. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's not what my middle school dances were like. No, the cotillion isn't for kids. It's like also your like parents are there. Yeah, it's like gross. It's very different. But I would just say if there's any like pre-middle schoolers listening, if you don't want to go to your middle school dance, don't go. You're not missing anything. Yeah, it's fine. Probably go to like at least one prom if you can. <laughs> Sorry to all the Zoomers out there. Some people only have one prom. I mean, my other piece of advice would be, like, don't go to your middle school dances. Uh Uh-huh. Get hot in high school. That way, an upperclassman invites you to a prom every year you're in high school. What you want to do, like, what I would have done if I had taken my own advice, reject the upperclassman Mm -hmm. the first two years. Mm -hmm. Just let them know, like, you're busy. Soccer practice. I assume, like, you're a hottie. You've got soccer practice. Or something. Or something. Don't go to your middle school dances, get hot in high school, reject upperclassmen when they invite you to the prom, and then go to the prom when you can buy your own tickets. You should also reject upperclassmen when you are a freshman because you are likely 14 to 15 and can't drive. And if an 18-year-old is, like, knocking at your front door, I got some questions and none of them are going to be framed very nicely. 14 to 18 is a big age difference, and especially at that time. I don't know, man. 17? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm like, 16 to 18, okay. You can drive. You both can drive. 
Is like the driving the thing? No, it's the age thing. I'm like a 14 year old is just really different than an 18 year old. An 18 year old has already read and discussed Catcher in the Rye. (laughs) 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 To me, like an 18 year old might as well be a 14 year old. I don't think that's true in terms of puberty. I think, yeah, I mean, like they're, you know, they've they've probably kissed more. It depends on the 14-year-old. It depends on the 18-year-old. Everybody's individual, but like sweeping generalizations, senior boys going after freshman girls has a real like hunting ground (laughs) sort of vibe to it that I'm like not into. Yeah. He's going to, plus like inevitably he's going to uh, go through this like really embarrassing phase. So like imagine you actually get into a relationship with a senior boy. He's going to break up with you before he goes to college because he's convinced that he's going to do well for himself there romantically. He's not. And post, by the time he comes home for winter break, he's going to be like a complete sad sack shell of himself. And he's going to want to hang out with you again. And you're going to have to be like, ooh, no. Because you've got soccer practice and other stuff going on. You got hottie soccer practice, hot girl soccer practice. And I think, like, save yourself the embarrassment of that cycle. (laughs) Yeah, that seems right. That's good advice. Yeah, save yourself the embarrassment of having to deal with an 18-year-old college freshman boy later on. It's like invest in your futurity. Invest in your futurity. Yes. 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 <laughs> you don't want to be embarrassed that you date. You will be. God, they are awful after their first semester of college. It's, it's like they're 14 again. It's basically. because they were like, you know, in my experience, they were like big fish in little ponds and then they went to a bigger pond and then they weren't a big fish anymore. And that can be really like traumatizing to an identity that's built around being a big fish. Yeah, and they all, you know. Yeah. I think we all, to a certain extent, go through that in college. I we just do. think it's harder for the sex that doesn't experience as much constant rejection and <laughs> defilement <laughs> as ours does. As part of their societal upbringing. Yeah. With that, chapter four. <laughs> when Jane and Elizabeth were alone, the former who had been cautious in her praise of Mr. Bingley before, expressed to her sister how very much she admired him. He is just what a young man ought to be, said she. Sensible, good-humored, lively, never saw such happy manners, so much ease, with such perfect good breeding. He's also handsome, replied Elizabeth, which a young man ought likewise be, if he possibly can. His character is thereby (laughs) complete. I was very much flattered by his asking me to dance a second time. I did not expect such a compliment. Did not you? I did for you. But that is one great difference between us. Compliments always take you by surprise, and me never. What could be more natural than his asking you again? He could not help seeing that you were about five times as pretty as every other woman in the room. No thanks to his gallantry for that. Well, he certainly is very agreeable, and I give you leave to like him. You have liked many a stupider person. Dear Lizzie, oh, you are a great deal too apt, you know, to like people in general. You never see a fault in anybody, and all the world are good and agreeable in your eyes. I never heard you speak ill of a human being in my life. I'd wish not to be hasty in censuring anyone, but I always speak what I think. 
I know you do. And it is that which makes the wonder with your good sense and to be honestly blind to the follies and nonsense of others. Affectation of candor is common enough. One meets it everywhere. But to be candid without ostentation or design, to take the good of everybody's character and make it still better and say nothing of the bad, belongs to you alone. And so you like this man's sisters too, do you? Their manners are not equal to his. Certainly not at first, but they're very pleasing women when you converse with them. Miss Bingley is to live with her brother and keep his house, and I am much mistaken if we shall not find a very charming neighbor in her. Hmm. Elizabeth listened in silence, but was not convinced their behavior at the assembly had not been calculated to please in general. And with more quickness of observation and less pliancy of temper than her sister, and with a judgment too unassailed by any attention to herself, she was very little disposed to approve of them. <laughs> they were, in fact, fine ladies, not deficient in good humor when they were pleased, nor in the power of being agreeable where, where they chose it, but proud and conceited. They were rather handsome, but had been educated in one of the first private seminaries in town, had a fortune of 20,000 pounds, were in the habit of spending more than they ought, and of associating with people of rank, and were therefore, in every respect, entitled to think well of themselves and meanly of others. They were of a respectable family in the north of England, a circumstance more deeply impressed on their memories than their brother's fortune and their own had been acquired by trade. Mr. Bingley inherited property to the amount of nearly a hundred thousand pounds from his father, who had intended to purchase an estate, but did not live to do it. Mr. Bingley intended it likewise, and sometimes made choice of his country, but as he was now provided with a good house and the liberty of a manor, it was doubtful of many of those who best knew the easiness of his temper whether he might not spend the remainder of his days at Netherfield and leave the next generation to purchase. Hmm. His sisters were anxious for his having an estate of his own, but though he was now established only as a tenant, Miss Bingley was by no means unwilling to preside at his table, nor was Mrs. Hurst, who had married a man more of more fashion than of fortune less disposed to consider his house as her home when it suited her. Mr. Bingley had not been of age two years when he was tempted by an accidental recommendation to look at Netherfield House. He did look at it and into it for half an hour, was pleased with the situation and the principal rooms, satisfied with what the owner said in, a, in its praise, and took it immediately. Between him and Darcy, there was a very steady friendship, in spite of a great opposition of character. Bingley was endeared to Darcy by the easiness, openness, docility of his temper, though no disposition could offer a greater contrast to his own, and though with his own he never appeared dissatisfied. On the strength of Darcy's, Darcy's regard, Bingley had the firmest reliance of his judgment, the highest opinion. In understanding, Darcy was the superior. Bingley was by no means deficient, but Darcy was clever. He was at the same time haughty, reserved, and fastidious, and his manners, though well-bred, were not inviting. In that respect, his friend had greatly the advantage. Bingley was sure of being liked wherever he appeared. Darcy was continually giving offense. <laughs> the manner in which they spoke of the Meryton Assembly was sufficiently characteristic. Bingley had never met with a pleasanter people or prettier girls in his life. Everybody had been most kind and attentive to him. There had been no formality, no stiffness. He had soon felt acquainted with all the room, and as to Miss Bennet, he could not conceive an angel more beautiful. Darcy, on the contrary, had seen a collection of people in whom there was little beauty and no fashion, for none whom he had felt the smallest interest, and from none received either attention or pleasure. Miss Bennet he acknowledged to be pretty, but she smiled too much. 
Mrs. Hurst and her sister allowed it to be so, but still they admired her and liked her, and pronounced her to be a sweet girl, and one whom they should not object to know more of. Miss Bennet was therefore established as a sweet girl, and their brother felt authorized by such commendation to think of her as he chose. there's like this traditional love story unfolding mm-hmm. like two nice people having a nice time mm-hmm. like almost a you're yet higher <laughs> but also I think you know to your question earlier like in a previous chapter like is Mr. Bingley sweet or is he dumb this paragraph Mr. Bingley an inherited property to the amount of nearly a hundred thousand pounds from his father who had intended to purchase an estate an estate but did not live to do it Mr. Bingley intended it likewise, and sometimes made choice of his county, but as he was now provided with a good house and the liberty of a manor, it was doubtful to many of those who knew best the easiness of his, temp- easiness of his temper, whether he might not spend the remainder of his days at Netherfield and leave the next generation to purchase. His sisters were very anxious for his having an estate of his own. Like, Bingley is described as, like, the head of the house, right? And he needs to provide for his family. This is going to be a continuing theme in Jane Austen novels when the patriarch does not provide um, and the women are kind of left to make do. And so I think here is like a slight indictment on his character. For sure. But also it feels so modern where it's like, why would you fritter away your money renting when you should buy and establish an estate that will then start making money for you and building that equity? And it's like Bingley's like, I'm content to rent forever. <laughs> it's like, I hear that, Bingley. I hear that. But there's like really no way for his sisters. I think I think the modernity kind of ends there because there's like no other pathway for his sisters to have sec- financial security besides their brother having owned a house that he can bequeath to them as like operators of the household, you know, until they can marry purpose and so his one sister is married to mr hurst but he's more fashion than fortune which means that he too this mr hurst is reliant on bingley's charity which means that mrs hurst is reliant on it and caroline does have a dowry but that's only a one-time payout Mm -hmm. and it's not to her right like she can't access it for her own yeah and i think it's it's not just like giving them a purpose like a household to run because they can run a rental um but like they have no equity. They don't have that security. And so once again, it should be called Pride and Prejudice and Property. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely should. Anything else about this chapter? I think it's funny that the contrast between Bingley and Darcy is drawn so sharply, both in terms of their personality, but like their like how they became friends is not clear. Like, why would Bingley be friends with Darcy? And why would Darcy be friends with Bingley? Is a question I still have. Even though I understand that, like, Darcy loves Bingley and loves to give him advice. Like, Darcy's playing a big brother role. And Bingley seems really content with that. But, like, how did that affection form? I don't know. Yeah, why is, why is Darcy fathering his friend? I don't think Darcy can help that. Wow. We'll we'll see. (laughs) All right. With that. Hold on to your property. Hold on to your property. For God's sake, build equity. 
passive income. Be a landlord. <laughs> Be a landlord. Come on. Uh, loosen your prejudices. And sometimes your pride. Mwah. <laughs> <laughs>